Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. If you could have anything you want for Christmas, what would it be? Hmm. What I want for Christmas is... That's a good one. I don't think I want presents. What I want for Christmas is the good news. What I want for Christmas is discipleship. What I want for Christmas, it's unity. What I want for Christmas, heaven and Lansing. What's up, everybody? My name is Jerome. If I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, it's good to meet you virtually. And for those in the room serving, thank you. December here, 2020, when we think back to 2020, I was, I was thinking this week, how would the year be told? You know, because whoever is telling the narrative controls the story. And you could highlight so many different things. But I think one story that won't get told is that the Lord was doing his best work in his people. He was stripping away the world so that we could realize he is the world to us. So when we think 2020, I want us to think vision of that God had something better in store for us. So what I want for Christmas is not a list of things I can get. It's vision that we can live and be in Christ. Last week was the good news. Today is I want discipleship. That's the title. I want discipleship. Jesus says in Matthew 28 and 19, it's a familiar passage. We quote it, but it's hard to live. And we get lost in some of the language because we don't use it on a daily basis. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Is God of the Bible, Jesus, God of just local, or is he also God of global. He cares about nations and nations there. The word is translated from to be Gentiles, all people. So anyone who just looks like you, that's not who God is into. Anyone who just comes from the same place you come from, that's not who God's into. He's into all nations. And then baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Imagine teacher Jesus giving us the instructions right now teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God gives us the promise that will be what ultimately we kind of point to this month is Christ came, he's born, he's real, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, now here he is fully resurrected, fully in his power, all authorities under him, and he's reminding him of the same, reminding us of the same thing, that he is with us always. And if he's with us always, go out there, reach all people, but do, this is a tough word, we don't like this word, here's this word, teach. Who we think teach? What do we think? If we're going to be teaching them something, what are you going to be teaching them? Is there a class, Jesus? Yes. 
In fact, Jesus would be rabbi, which rabbi means teacher. And he taught his disciples. He had many disciples. We're known to, we, we know more popular, the 12 disciples. But he had 120. He had 70. And in fact, one time in John chapter 6, he had a lot of them that deserted him one day. And I'll get to that in just a moment because one of his teachings was really hard. So when we come into class and we say, hey, Jesus, okay, I heard you're going to teach. But you only teach what I want you to teach and how I want it to fit into my repertoire, into my life. I'm going to fit your teachings into me. So then you're not truly the authority. I'm the authority, and we all fall victim of this. Because when we think teacher, we think class, and what type of class do we instantly go to? Now, maybe you are just awesome uh, school, uh, school buff, and I was thinking like gym rap. But, but it would be weird if I said if you were like a school rat. But gym rat is when somebody's in the gym all the time, you know, putting up, getting shots up, you know, putting up the stuff. But, but you wouldn't be a school rat. But if you really love school for a moment, then it's easy for you to think that Jesus would be your teacher. Now, if you don't like school for a moment, one of my kids who's in the room listening to this right now, who comes up to me and says, Dad, school is so boring. It is so boring. Well, how are we going to want to make the jump then? Jesus is my teacher. In fact, when I thought about Jesus being teaching, whenever we use discipleship and we threw the word class with it, I was like, I'm done. Dude, I want nothing to do with the class. Because I associated my previous teaching and my previous class experiences. And if you have a favorable one, it's easy to connect the two. And if you don't, if you think it's boring, it's going to be very hard to connect that you would want Jesus to be your rabbi. But we're not talking the class where... It's boring. We're talking a class where we get to learn all the time. Disciple simply means to learn. A student. Disciple's not a word we use in our culture much. In fact, the only time I used it in high school, we referred to a GD, a gangster disciple. It was a gang member who was discipled of that gang. They were a GD member. They were a disciple of that. And now I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus I'm going to follow him. I'm going to learn to be like him. But if we haven't fallen in love with learning, or if we only see learning to be in a classroom, it's going to be weird to think that it translates to every sphere of our lives. I want discipleship that translates to every sphere of our lives. That there's no border on the classroom, that everything is our playground. And Jesus cannot just teach me from a lecture setting, but he can also teach me when no one's looking or when I'm crying in my car, confused about what's going to come next. We have a great teacher, my friend. And to sit under this rabbi, you would, you would follow different type of rabbis because you liked their interpretation of the Torah. The first books, the five books in the Bible, the Torah being, um, uh, the Torah is grouped of five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. And then we're following not just this teacher's teaching of the understanding of the Torah, but the teacher's whole interpretation in their life. See, we make the mistake we, we give teachers too much of an easy pass, and we also give them too much to bear. Teachers have got a really tough job. But we give them too much of an easy pass to say you can just teach a subject, and I don't have to follow your life. We do this in parenting too, right, where the parents will just say, I said so, but we don't have to do it. They're going to do more of what we do more than what we say because our entire life is on display. We don't want to just learn from Jesus in a class. We want to uh, encompass and 
and have his whole life be embodying inside of us. It's a new classroom where the Holy Spirit is powerful and present today. So we gotta ask ourselves this question. Here's our class setting for a second. Whose words are we gonna build our life on? And what teacher are we gonna build our life on? I submit today, it's Jesus. The good news is that good that it should encompass our whole entire lives. And a, a real quick equation, we've used this at City Life before, but to remember it, it's kind of one plus one equals two, but, but, it, but here at City Life, we believe proximity plus frequency leads to intimacy with God and each other. Proximity plus frequency equals intimacy with God and each other. So what does that mean? If I'm close and I'm oftenly close to God and his people, I'm going to be more intimate with God and his people. Some of us, we haven't felt intimately connected with God or his people, but we haven't been close with God or his people. It's a simple equation. As we increase the proximity um, and increase the frequency, then we find our lives then moving fast forward. All right, let's go to Matthew 7. Look at a passage out of the message of how we want to build our life. We want to build our life as one that's going to last. I know we all do. So here we are, verse 24. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. The teachings, Jesus, I'm not just a class to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter. Next, If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, or tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. We all want to be fixed to the rock, right? <laughs> you know, I don't want, I want my life to last. But if you use my words in Bible studies, if you play church and don't work them into your life, you are like a Stupid carpenter. I love, I, that's why I love the message. It's my favorite. You, be, you could either be a smart carpenter or you could be a stupid carpenter. <laughs> you got to be blunt sometimes. I mean, we got to be blunt. In church, we're so, we dance around stuff. No, that is just stupid. Extra stupid, extra dumb. That's extra dumb. No, who are you? Come on, you're judging. No, I'm not judging. Yeah, I'm judging that, that it's, on, it's on sand. Tell me if something's on sand. I want to be built on the rock. Because the stupid carpenter builds this house on a sandy beach. When the storm rolled in, the waves came up. It collapsed like a house of cards. Who are we going to commit ourselves to? Jesus, foundational experience, or the world, Sandy Beach? I, I know we want Jesus today, so let's go. But let's not assume that we will go with Jesus because in John 6, Jesus says this crazy teaching. He says, I'm the bread of life. Anyone who eats, uh, 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 eats my body and, drink, and, and drinks of my blood, and he's not advocating cannibalism. He's not saying that you literally do that. But what he's saying is he's going to go be the sacrifice for us. His body's going to be broken for us. And when we take communion, we remember his body and we remember his bloodshed that now has covered my sin, that I am guilt-free. I stand clean in the presence of God. I've been made brand new. And he says, if you want to follow me, you got to do this. 
And what they found, and, and, and he had a many crowds, and it said in John 6, 66, from that moment, they heard the teaching, many disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. What they said is, hey, Jesus, we really like the Bible study. We really like when church is sweet. We really like when the Love the City truck's out there. We really like when we can have service. We really like if it fits into my life. But what you're saying seems really hard. And if I'm going to follow you, I don't want to do it that way. And what shocks me and haunts me is it says many disciples left him that day. That means they were decided, they were excited to learn under him until it got hard. I want Jesus until it gets hard. So whack. So stupid. Because we've already established that you can use that word in church today. Thank you to the Message Bible. It's just stupid. (laughs) And then the disciples, they look at him, the 12. They're like, where do we go, God? You have the words of eternal life. They understood. There's only one place we can go. Our foundation is Jesus. We're going to look at a picture of discipleship that's so beautiful in all the text. So re-up right now. we got about 13 minutes left of just this teaching. So take a deep breath. Come on. Our attention spans are falling away like houses built on the sand nowadays. It's okay. This is normally where we would insert a video or something to, oh, stimulate our brain. But just so does deep breathing. So let's do one more. Come on. There you go. At home, wherever you're at. You're on the couch next to somebody. But let's be honest. It's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We got to do one more. Let's go. One more. Discipleship is more than a class. Discipleship is normative. Discipleship is light, but often hard. Discipleship hurts so good. Discipleship allows us to continue to become more like Jesus. Discipleship is not heavy. It's not always fun. It's not a program, it's not blind, and it's not forceful. But a disciple is a learner of the word, a learner to serve, a learner to be with God, and a heart for all people. Let's look at Paul and Timothy. There's no better picture, I believe, in all of the text of of discipleship. Because to let Jesus teach us means we're also going to let his leaders and his people and his body teach us. And many different people are going to be a portrait of who God is to us. And ultimately, we have the highest authority in his word, in who Jesus is. But we get great examples because we can't say we want Jesus, but we don't want his people. Or I want Jesus' teaching, but I don't want to sit under anybody else's teaching. And that's where it gets hard. Ah, you know, really close with Jesus. He's my homeboy. I got the t-shirt. Jesus is my homeboy. But I got no teacher I sit under and submit to or teachers, Mm. friends. It's not the picture. So we look at Timothy and Paul's relationship. Uh, Paul is planting churches, going from place to place. He finally meets a disciple named Timothy in Acts 16. Timothy has a Jewish mom, mom who's Jewish Christian, and then Greek dad, so kind of a half-breed. His reputation precedes him. He's listed as a disciple. He's good in policies, fit in ministry. They hit it off. They keep going out there. They've been on the journey. They've known each other for a decade plus, and they're growing. And in 1 Timothy 1, let's go right to that text, 1 Timothy 1, 2, one of the coolest, these are known as the pastoral letters. 
1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, these pastoral letters, getting a heartbeat. What does it look like to have this disciple lived out and then for other people? Because ultimately, a job of leaders is just to equip people for the work that God put inside of them already, the work of the ministry. We don't play church. We are ministry. Every sphere we go and do. And then right out the gate, it says, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Timothy, my true son. Son. When you look it up in Greek, it means son. It's, It's not meaning something else. When we became into the family of God, we're sons of God. We can't get out. And what a beautiful picture. Four observations from Paul and Timothy. I'm going to lead us to number one would be this. It's the heart of a good parent and a good son. Not a bad parent, but a good one. This is already harder language for some of us because we don't have maybe good examples, or we don't have parents at all. But picture that you do, and it's a good one. This is the picture of discipleship with Paul and Timothy. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, this has to be the heartbeat of what he's meaning too, is I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. For you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I have become your father in Christ, Jesus through the gospel. We long to be fathered, and we should. And this is a beautiful picture that Paul would become a father to Timothy, literal, in sync. They're so in sync. In Philippians 2, Paul says this about him, that now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send who? Send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by the news about you. For I have no one. Apostle Paul has no one. All these churches, all these ministries that he's done, all these financial campaigns and all these signs and wonders, but I've got no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. This implies that for so many of us, we could be so prone to seek the interests, the sandy beaches, to build our life on something else, to not be learning from the master and be learning as Jesus is just savior. Maybe he's a button on our jacket, but he's a print on our shirt, but he's not embodying our whole life. But once he embodies our whole life, we say God, yes to everything. And yes, maybe they got a special relationship. So that's why this is unique. But I think for each one of us, we can lean in and get our posture more like this. Because we want to seek the interest, not of ourselves, not of somebody else, but of Jesus Christ. If there's only one name that can save people from the grave, then that's the one we want to be all about. Come on. That's what it's all about. But you know his proven what? Character. Because he served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. A son and a father. A son and a father is displayed over time. You get to see pictures of it. Character is proven over time. Friend, don't be discipled like a hot pocket. Don't. Don't put it in the microwave quick. 
get it out so it burns your mouth so bad that you're left with this bad taste and, and you can't eat anything right for a couple days and all because you wanted a pizza so quick. Let discipleship marinate. Let it cook. Okay, that's a silly example. Number two, our whole lives matter. Well, God, God what, what? hey, Paul, Timothy, show us a picture of your life. I mean, what part of my life matters? Well, our whole lives. I, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am convinced is also in you. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands, showing us the whole picture, the whole picture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Timothy, thinking about the fear of uh, the pressures of people, pressures of ministry, maybe the, the temptation to succumb to a different doctrine, go a different way, a different path. Paul's reminding them, hey, oh, remember your grandma? Remember your mom? Remember me when we laid our hands on you? You got something inside of you. And God of the universe has given you a spirit of power and love and sound judgment. You're going to make the right decision. So we got to start seeing discipleship. Our whole lives matter to God. There's a picture here of the circle of life. Circle of life is something we created because we, I never wanted to feel like when someone said disciple, I had to just join the class. Okay, cool. I got to join the class. Well, no, there's much, much more to my life than just a class. So when we see discipleship, we need to see God in the center of our lives, but all of our lives are, are, are constantly telling us a story about who God is. Maybe our family really loves God. Maybe our family hates God. Well, that's telling us the story of who God is. So it's fully connected. What's going on in my family? What's going on with my friends, my hobbies, and my work, and in church, and my personal Jesus time? It's all showing me who God is. My whole life matters. Timothy's whole life mattered to Paul. Our whole lives got to matter to the people we're in. We don't just ask them, hey, how's your Bible reading going? But how's your family? What's going on with your friends? Because as your friends go away, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What's your hobbies? Got some crazy dark side going on in there? What's going on in the hobby world? Is it great stuff? What's your work, your activities, school life? What's your church experience? Are you connected? Are you rooted in the ecclesia? Do you see it just as a building? And what's your own Jesus time like? Are you rightly dividing the word of God yourself? And we start to then have this whole picture. Uh, number three, it's a tough one. This is where we want to opt out. But Paul and Timothy showed us what this looks like. We practice for the whole world to see. Everybody's watching. First Timothy 4.15. Let's remind them, hey, stay, stay strong in the text. Don't succumb to any other secondary truths. And I want you to, even though they see you as young, young, he was 30 at the time, about 30, practice these things, be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Let the whole world see that you're growing up. It's okay. You might stumble and fumble and not always have the, the right Bible verse and nowhere. I had someone once ask me, 
They go, where's this Bible verse? I said, I don't know. And they go, you're a pastor. I said, if I knew every single Bible verse, I probably wouldn't be a pastor. I, don't, I would be Google. I wouldn't have Google. I would be Google. <laughs> Your whole life. And last, before we get to the fourth point, I'm going to read the text of what, what, what Timothy did to get, to get on Paul's team. And he didn't have to. But here's what he did. Going back to how they met, Acts 16, Paul went on to Derby and Lystra where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman. But his father was a Greek. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. The strategy would be better for the sake of the good news that Timothy would be a part of some different customary methods to reach the people to carry this priceless message since they all knew that his father was a Greek because the whole world's watching. So Timothy's willing because number four, here's what Timothy was willing to do. The mission is worth altering my life, my whole life. The mission is worth altering my whole life. How much of my life is worth altering? My whole life. And this one's tough in our culture. I don't know if I can go to a group. I don't know if I can get connected. I don't, the dream team, ah, my whole life, no, nah, no, nah, and I can't fit my life in. What would it look like if we started making discipleship decisions first and then our whole life starts to then fall in line? It's like building our life on the foundation that is the smart carpenter's plan. But the stupid carpenter builds on the sandy beach. The question, my friend, is simple. Is discipleship our lives or does discipleship fit into our lives? Is it our lives or does discipleship fit into our lives? I was a 3.8 student and I started partying and I became a 2.0 student. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that one time when I went to take the ACTs, um, I went because my mom wanted me to, and I knew I was smart enough to get a, a decent score. But about halfway in, the test got hard. And I decided, because the test got hard, that um, I would just start filling in the answers. And I filled them in fast, and I slept, and everyone kind of laughed, and, oh, look at Jerome. And I tested super poorly. Before I started partying, I, that 3.8, and then when I graduated, when I was partying like crazy, that 3.8 went to a 2.0 because I always saw class as boring. And I gave up. And I was like, mm, I don't want to learn anymore. Stupid. I couldn't see learning carrying over to my day-to-day, -day, my real life. I'm going to go do real life, and this doesn't apply. And for some of us, we just go do school because we do the checklist, because we know it applies to our real life, but we don't genuinely love it. Today, I pray, there's resurrection. That we're not sleeping, taking the test with Christ. We're awake. We're not thinking we just need to go to a Bible study. But we start to let Jesus have everything. Because the teacher presents itself when the student is ready to learn. It is truly that. That a teacher, a teacher just shows up in the room. You didn't even know it was there the whole time. 
We always think, well, give me the right teacher and I'll start learning. Give me the right church and I'll start growing. Give me the right city and I'll start growing. No, 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 no. The teacher's been there the whole time. The student has to get ready to learn. And once the heart of a student came alive, then I started realizing, okay, oh my goodness, discipleship is awesome. Picture this for a moment, that city life is not a place just where people come to learn, but they come to learn and live it. It's a place where head knowledge then, uh, net, that, that is connected to the heart power, that is connected to the hands activated, that, that, that our city is fully engaged with the life and the power of Jesus, that there's no dead end that we don't care about. There's no space or sphere that we're not uh, uh, just dreaming about and praying about. That when we see things on the news that hurts our heart, we're crying and we're learning. Jesus, what do you think about? We're struggling in our jobs. We're reading our texts and saying, hey, God, teach me in this. We're picking up the phone. I'm struggling, texting somebody. That discipleship is more than a class. It's alive. It can never be a class. So as we close, I pray today we'd be humble enough to ask the Lord, am I the smart carpenter or am I the stupid carpenter? And what changes do I need to make? How do I let discipleship be my whole life what areas of my life am I not letting you teach me in and lead me in? Do I have bad teaching advice? Do I got to get some new insight about the topics that matter most in life? Origin, sex, God has a lot to say about it. My job, God has a lot to say about it. Money, God's got a lot to say about it and it's good and it's never heavy and it's always done from his finished work. That's grace. See, discipleship is light. It's so powerful, but it's grace still that we could even learn from the master of the universe. Amen, somebody? All right. Well, I want to read us what I believe the Holy Spirit wanted to say to us today. And we're going to lift up and just make the Lord higher. We're going to make a, a, a commitment. Man, God, you're higher. I can't figure it all out. And I, start to show me what my whole life being discipled looks like for you. I believe the Holy Spirit was saying this to us today. I want to teach you. I want you to trust again. Dream again have the posture of a student. Open your hands and watch what I'll do. Can I lead us in a prayer? If you just be so brave enough to maybe open up your hands just as a sign of surrendering to God. Everyone in the room, everyone at home, God, we surrender to you. We want a discipleship journey like Paul and Timothy. We want one like you with your 12. We want one that, that, that doesn't just, when your teaching's hard, we walk away. God, you are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher. Everything you do is awesome and perfect. We thank you that we don't have to be perfect to be discipled, <laughs> period. We want to learn and we surrender. Everything that would stop us from learning more of who you are. Be our great teacher. Show us Paul's in our life. And let us love the Timothys as well. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.